Hello, and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Brock Meyer. All right. We're going to continue on our series of worship. And this will be our last one for our series for the month of May. Um, We have been talking about having worship that has an emotional expression to it, a physical expression to it that um, perhaps you saw growing up, maybe you never saw, maybe you wish you had, maybe you're glad you don't. Um, But maybe more than what we currently are experiencing and where do we see it in scripture we've talked that that worship can be instrumental worship can be physical worship today we're going to learn is eternal Um, it's mental it's spiritual right it's all of these kind of points of engagement is is worship this morning we had an extra instrument playing I don't know if you guys could hear it but it was Kathy's charm bracelet she was up here just swinging that thing around and I could hear it sound like a mini tambourine going on I was like man that's a new one she snuck that one in on y'all y'all but that there's ways that we can bring a joyful noise to the Lord and uh, and bring some glad hearts before him we've talked about um, you know for some of us maybe as we talk about having expression in worship for some the, the soul feels liberated by conversation like that. Maybe for others, the brow starts to sweat a little bit. Um, that makes me nervous. I don't, I don't know what I wanna do with that. Um, I can tell you this, that when we look to what the Bible says, it's a good place for us to go. What the Bible says worship should be like, what God prefers worship to be like, it doesn't say the folding of the hands and the closing of the eyes. Actually, it says when you fold your hands and close your eyes, you're dead. That's what it says. It's a proverb. So what we want to is see, okay, well, if it's not just this, and I'm so reverent, if it's not that, then what should it be? What should I do with these hands? What should I do with my eyes? The Bible never says for us to look down. The Bible actually says to set our eyes upon the hill, allow us to look up to where our help comes from. This, although we think that it's a good position, is not the right position. At least it's not biblical. It's okay to do that. It's not like that's, the Bible says that position's wrong. It's not position. It's what's going on inside of the heart that the body then takes on that response. Are y'all with me? You tracking with me? And the most important body part that we're talking about is our heart. Okay, it's more than our hands, it's more than our eyes, it's more than our knees, it's our heart is where we're trying to get to. And when the heart is dead, usually the position kind of indicates that. When the heart is alive, the body can't help but respond to what the heart is telling it to do. So we want to drill down on the heart of what is going on today. And then what does God start doing? What what then is worship that moves the heart of heaven to where God says, this one, whoa, stop the brakes, look at this one. Every other worship coming to me is a snooze fest, but this one has got my attention. 
What is it that when we engage the presence of the Lord, it can literally move the heart of heaven to where God acts on our behalf? Is it possible? Does A and B equal C? Is it possible that we could grab God's attention with the way that we enter into his courts with praise? My dog, Wrigley, I talked about him last week. The illustration was as I was mowing the, the yard and kept running over his tennis ball and he just thought that was the coolest thing, right? Because he gets to you know, chase a hundred different pieces of tennis ball around the yard. But there's one that he just loves and he brings it constantly in front. And anyway, he had given up, but I had grabbed it and I had threw it sky high and it came down and bounced. And he sees it and he takes off running and he dives in the air trying to catch it. But the ball continues to go, and he forgets that he's 85, 90 pounds, and he comes in, most of it's fur, and he comes back down, landing on his back, and the ball bounces, and he just takes off, and he, you know, shakes off that concussion real quick, and he takes off after it again, because he's just wild like that. And we talked about whenever you pursue something that you love, but to continue with that illustration is he did not care what he looked like. Because whenever you're focused on something much greater and a way deeper pleasure, you do not care what anybody else thinks. I got to get that tennis ball. I got to get it. I want to get it. I got to get it. And I got to sink my teeth into something with some passion and some energy and everything I've got, like we talked about last week, with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my soul, all of my strength that I can muster up. I'm going to grab that tennis ball. And I don't care what it looks like because I do not care about public opinion. I'm a golden retriever, right? And when we identify more with who we are than who we were created to be as worshipers, I got this ego to protect. I got this image that I got to kind of keep safe and I just don't want people to see me and I'm out in the community and I can't have my hands. I can't be on my knees. I can't emote. I can't cry. I can't, ah, I just can't. Why? Because I care way too much. I'm not saying that's the only reason, but that's one of them. It's definitely one of them. Or it's, I've just never done that. Just not me. Or I prefer the one that says, let's just sit before the Lord. That's a good one. We all can agree we like to do that. I, I really enjoy sitting before the Lord. But we got that one down. So if I can help us move forward a little bit. Hey, let's be quiet before the Lord. You're crushing it, church. Crushed it. Now let's go forward. And maybe there's more. Maybe there's more that the Lord would have for us when it comes to worship another thing is this last week i'm not sure if you saw as the wind was coming through on thursday it blew over the the wood fence on the back of the parsonage there and also took out a corner of the the privacy fence and the uh, the alarm at the fire station went off i don't know one o'clock in the morning it went off right in my bedroom window by the way uh for 60 seconds after six seconds you get the clue 60 seconds it's like okay I think there's some weather coming an hour later does it again I'm like ah my dog's outside just let me go down and check I go outside raining blowing Wrigley hey can't find him anywhere stick my head into his dog house can't find him anywhere run around to the back of the house can't find him anywhere 
Like, oh my gosh, he freaked out. Doug got out of here, like, what's going on? Go to the front of the house, run through the house. Wrigley comes tearing around. He was hiding. He had gotten out. He'd come tearing out, hiding, comes into the house. I'm like, how in the world did you do that? Well, the next morning I say, well, the fence is blown down and he got out of there. That's what he did. I'm out of here, man. And to, to, uh, to continue with this is there is, uh, uh, where, where was I? The alarm was going off. The wind was happening. Not sure what I was talking about. I don't know. And it, it's probably not worth it, so we'll just keep going. Um, oh, I, I know, I was going to say, he's, he's loved being in, inside because I just can't leave him outside, so, so I've got him inside. And so what he loves is dinner time, and he's underneath the table. Anybody ever have a dog under the table at dinner time? And then the plates start landing on the floor after dinner, and he's licking them up. He's licking them up. I mean, that thing is totally clean, and he loves it. And you know what he does? is he comes back for more just to check and there's never more but he always comes back I gotta get every drop every crumb I gotta get it there's a there's a want to there's a salivation when he comes to the table and there should be a salivation when we come into the presence I got to get it all I want every crumb I'm not stoic or disconnected I'm not not quiet and sitting and reverent. I'll, I'll get on reverence in a minute, but the, the reverent heart we think is nothing more than just a professionalism. You're a professional worshiper. And God is calling worshipers who have the true spirit of worship, which is desperation. You want to know, I'll, I'll tell you this, need, when there's a need, that provokes a desperate worshiper. But when you're all good, you already got it. I'm good. Thanks, God. I'll, I'll take it from here. I, I got it. We're good. I'm not hungry. I'm not thirsty. I'm not crying out. I'm not in desperation for more of the heart of God. I got to have his presence. And desperation is what moves the heart of God. It just does. It moves things. And to be like my dog, he does not care what is going on around him. When he sets his eyes on a thing, he gets after it. In the same way, we've got to set our eyes and get after it. Check out the early church here in the book of Acts, chapter 2, and in verse 47. The early church, they came together, and it was corporate worship. Let me explain two different things. There's individual worship whenever you can just sit in the silence of your own home. You can sit on the couch. You can lay in your bed. I prefer laying on my face before the Lord. God, I'm just going to lay here for another 15 minutes, actually, uh, and we'll call it worship. But, uh, but, but there, maybe there's just times when you go for a walk. Maybe there's all different kinds of individual worship. But when we come together corporately, this isn't just me time. This is all of us together in worship. It says they were praising God, enjoying the favor of all of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. There was something that was happening vertically. There was a vertical focus in praise and worship. And then there was a horizontal impact that happened with their life. As they focused in on the Lord, check this out, go to the next one. As they focused on the Lord, there was something vertical taking place. And all of a sudden, people liked them. People were like, what is it that's on you? They had the favor of people, it says, and they were jumping into that kind of a church every day. 
It says that people were coming into the church daily. And as the scripture goes on in Acts chapter 2, it says 3,000 people were added to the church in a single day. Y'all know that's the whole size of our town. 3,000 daily are jumping into this thing. Man, I want more of that. I just want more of that. A vertical focus and a horizontal impact, I believe, are the things of scripture. People around you start seeing, man, there is something of heaven upon this person. They are clothed with something different. It is not stoic and boring and disconnected. It is engaged and alive and passion filled. I want that. And I believe that that people that truly are seeking after the heart of God, I'm talking about maybe lost people that haven't had an engagement with the Lord. They are wanting something that they want to give their life to something that's worthy of it. They don't want to give their life to something that's just another dull and placid, boring meeting. They want to give their self, give their life to something that is worthy of their life. Read another scripture for you. That was the very first church of Acts. This is going to be the last church. This is in Roman, or I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 4. And in Revelation chapter 4, starting in verse 8, this is what all of eternity will look like when it comes to worship. Romans, or I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 8. I've got it here, but I'm going to read the, the very first uh, uh, scripture, and it actually is in red letters in Revelation. Jesus is talking. Jesus says, come up here, and I will show you what will take place. Then we go into verse 8. It says, each of the four living creatures, they had six wings. They were covered with their eyes all around under their wings. It says, day and night, they were never stop. They would never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, who is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him, who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders, they fall down before him who sits on the throne. It's interesting that it wasn't even just kneeling. They fell. (laughs) They fall down before him. And they worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne in reverence to the ultimate king, right? They lay their crowns down. They say, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by you all things were created and have been. It says that they will continue for all time, forever and ever. How long is forever and ever? Oh, it's a long time. As forever and ever, forever and ever, we will say glory and honor and power and strength and, and, and we praise you. And holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I think heaven is gonna be a just constant revelation of God and he's gonna say, hey, he's gonna like open up the, the, the dresser drawer, the chest a little bit and say, hey, look at this. Whoa, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He's, he's an unlimited God, so for all of eternity, he's not gonna run out. He's limitless in revealing more about himself. And our minds are gonna be in one constant mind blow for all of eternity. Oh my gosh. And we hit the deck again. Holy, holy, holy. Let me tell you something. If you don't like worship, you probably won't like heaven. 
you won't. You won't like it. You just won't, because that's what we're going to do. We're going to be constantly fascinated by this man. We're going to be blown away every step of the day. And I'll tell you what, you won't do this. You won't, or at least you better not. (laughs) There will be a heart that's fully aflamed of fire, that's burned, that's overwhelmed. Oh my gosh, what am I dealing with here? And the the reverence and the awe and the wonderment of it all will, will, will take us to a whole new level of engagement and worship with this man. Many things that we do in the church today that we will not do in heaven. We, we won't do evangelism in heaven. We're not gonna do Sunday school classes in heaven. We're not going to take up the offering in heaven. Uh, we're not going to, you know, do whatever we normally do here in heaven. We're not gonna pray for sick people in heaven. There's not gonna be any sick people. We're not gonna comfort the brokenhearted. Uh, there's gonna be no tears in heaven. We're all gonna be rejoicing and celebrating. One thing that we do today in church that we will do for all of eternity is worship. We should get that one right because we're practicing forever and ever and ever and ever. We gotta get there, people. We gotta get engaged today for all of eternity tomorrow. And it is worship. So many things that we put so much effort into will cease, they will stop, it is over. But worship will endure for all of time. I read a book uh, by John Piper. It's called The Pleasures of God. I read this in college. And this book is blowing my mind about God's infatuation with himself. (laughs) God loves him some God. And you know why? It's because God cannot have any other idol, right? He's got to have the most primo thing upon his heart. Tell me what is better than God Therefore, if I could contend that God is a hedonist upon himself, hedonist just simply means that one that gluttons themselves on pleasure. God has maximized himself on his own glory, the highest pleasure that, the, that it is, and it's called the pleasures of God, and it, it says that God is jealous for the affection of his people. Why? Not just because he's this jealous God, because he knows what's best for the human heart. It was created to delight in the, in the highest of pleasures that are possible. And give, tell me, I'll tell you this, it's not going to the lakes on Memorial Day. Although that's a lot of fun, and I hope everybody heads off to the lakes on Memorial Day. I hope it's awesome. But there's a higher pleasure. It's not having, it's not having the tomahawk steak at Grains and Grill. Although that's well spent, I enjoy it. Maybe not well spent, but it's spent for sure. But that's a great pleasure. There's something higher. It's not found in your spouse or your children. There's something higher. The greatest pleasure of all is the glory of God being revealed upon the human heart. And when that weight bears upon your soul, you can't help but express in worship. And so he's craving the attention of his people to be found on the greatest pleasure that that there is. And God cannot have any idols above himself. So he says, I am the best. Come to me. I've got it for you. And I'm reading this book by John Piper and it talks about God's pleasure and not just how he has delight in himself, but it overflows upon me and upon you and how he unloads his pleasure upon us. He delights in us. 
And I'm reading this book and I start weeping and crying. I said, I am playing so small. I have such a small view of God. I got to blow out this, this view. And, and a small view equals small worship. You can't get excited about something that's not exciting. But a big view has a huge expression. Oh my gosh. And I crumble underneath my desk. I literally, I rolled out of my chair and I fell underneath my desk weeping. I'm shaking, crying, reading this thing. I'm like, God, I don't know who I'm dealing with right now. <laughs> and I'm a pastor. And I don't know what I'm, who I'm even trying to talk about right now. Overwhelmed by his bigness. People, I think God wants to just invite all of us in to an overwhelming encounter where the heart just can't even hardly take it. You, you, like y'all, y'all remember when we read a couple, couple weeks ago, uh, uh, who, who, I forget who it was, was it Spurgeon? One of, those, one of our heavy hitters in, in history said, God, you have to stop. I can't handle it anymore. Finney, Charles Finney, he said, waves of liquid love are coming over me. Thank you, Cindy are like wave, and wave after wave is crashing upon my soul. I can't handle it. You have to stop it. That will change the way you walk into the presence of a God like this. One more way of worship. We see this in 2 Samuel chapter 12. This is King David. <clears throat> this is a man who had a need, and this is a man who was completely broken because of loss. If you remember, David and Bathsheba had an affair. Out of that, there's a love child born. God judges David by making this child sick. And David is weeping before the Lord, and it says for seven days the child was sick, 2 Samuel chapter 12. And that for seven days, David fasted and prayed, and he went into like his own quarters. He went away from, from anyone, and he wept and prayed and, and pleaded before the Lord. Agonizing prayer. Any agonizing prayer ever happened out here? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Whenever loss maybe is hanging in the balance. And the child is still here, but David is, is fasting and praying, and he's, and he's just broken. And eventually the baby dies, and his servants come to tell David. It says that David got up. He took a shower, put on lotion, clothed himself with new robes, and he went to the house of God to worship. And he began to worship the Lord. And his servants are like, what in the world are you doing your son is dead, and David's response is this. He says, my son can no longer come to me, but one day I shall go to him. Worship in the midst of brokenness shifted his perspective. I'll tell you, we can just sit in our brokenness for a long time, and we can sit in our hurt and our pain and our, all of the yesteryear stuff, or we can say, I gotta bust out. I gotta start worshiping. I gotta get my eyes fixed. I gotta lift my eyes to a place. This is what David did. He began to lift his eyes to another place. And it says, then he went home and he laid with his wife, Bathsheba. And they had a son named Solomon, the one whom God loved. He had the favor of God upon him. It says that there was no one wiser in all of the earth that ever stepped foot on planet earth than Solomon. Interesting, the fruit that came out of David's brokenness and out of his worship was wisdom the son of all 
wisdom. Solomon, if I could just encourage us this morning, whether your life is awesome and you've got your eyes fixed or whether life is broken, you need to get your eyes fixed on something bigger, a greater pleasure. And let's not turn to try to anesthetize the pain with lower realm pleasures. I gotta distract myself with work. I've gotta try to anesthetize my pain with the bottle. I gotta run to all of these other things. Can I just encourage us, let's go to the source of all hope, the source of all life, the source of all strength, somebody that, that, can, that can come in and redeem all things. And he can shift that perspective from, from, from grieving to really have an explosive action in our life. We see here the early church of Acts. They worshiped and they had influence. Boom. Powerful, huh? We see here in Revelation, we're gonna worship for all of eternity. We also see no matter what we're going through, even in hardship, we can continue to worship the Lord through it all and he can still bring good things to our life. Worship, I believe, is the key. And people, however we express, whether it's sitting, whether it's being quiet, whether it's dancing, it's clapping, it's lifting, it's something we got to get going with worship. Let's engage the presence of the Lord. Amen. Would you all stand with me this morning as we close? Jesus, I ask that you would arrest our hearts, that you would just take it on a journey. Blow it away. Father, I pray that our our heart would have an expression to it. It would have a little hop in its step. It would have a little beat to it, Lord, that we would have uh, uh, just a wonderment of you to be caught up in. Lord, I pray for those that maybe they're going through some hardship right now. Lord, I pray that your presence would be so sweet to them. Lord, I pray that your presence would be so real and near. And I pray that as they come through Lord, that you would just bring great things through the, the, the worship of, of a broken heart. Lord, I just pray also right now that as we as a church, we look at the church of Acts, that we would come together and praise and worship. And Lord, as you look upon our worship to you, that you would grant even more impact in our community. Lord, that you would release favor with all men like you did the early church. Lord, that, that people were running to it because they wanted something that had some life and some passion and fire. Lord, we also thank you that we get to do this for all of eternity. We get to worship this amazing God who is constantly revealing more and more of his amazing self. So we just start this morning. We worship. We love you. We honor you. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're so glad you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.